Hello, and welcome to Karen's Medical Corner. I'm Karen O'Day. I'm a certified family nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I own and operate Evercare Family Practice with a specialty in family practice, women's health, aesthetics, and hormone replacement therapy. I appreciate you all joining us today. I'd like to continue my women's health series, and I would like to discuss the topic of urinary tract infection in women. Now, this topic is not designed for women under the age of 18 or for males. It is designed for women over 18 and for geriatric women over the age of 65 because the workup, the causes, and the um, treatment is different for different age groups and uh, different uh, genders. So, uh, as part of the women's health aspect, this is one of the most common complaints that I see in the office every day. We have women call almost on a daily basis with complaints of a possible urinary tract infection. So what are the symptoms of a urinary tract infection? Well, the most common symptom is burning with urination. And it's important when a patient has burning with urination that they distinguish when and where it's coming from. Because depending on the pain associated with urination, it may not be a urinary tract infection. Women who are having burning prior to starting their urinary stream, during the urinary stream, and after the urinary stream will often have a urinary tract infection. However, if the burning is only initiated after the urinary stream has started, it can be from a different cause, such as uh, a yeast infection. So it's important when a patient calls the provider's office that they can give a description of the type of pain they're having and where it's originating from. Sometimes the pain will be a little bit sharp shooting at the end of the urinary stream and that can be from spasm in the urethra as well as in the bladder. And again, that is a sign of urinary tract infection. Other signs are increase in urinary frequency. So having to go to the bathroom quite often and then only a little bit is able to come out. Sometimes women will also say that they still feel like they have urine in the bladder, it's just not emptying. Another sign is urinary urgency, where a woman is not able to make it to the bathroom when she has to go and will have urination in her uh, clothing. Also, urinary incontinence, where urine just uh, begins to leak out of the urethra can be signs of a urinary tract infection. Other signs and symptoms of urinary tract infection, especially and primarily in geriatric women uh, who are frail, uh, is falling. So a lot of times women in say a nursing home facility or assisted living or even at home, depending on their health condition, if they start having falls or confusion, that can be a sign of a urinary tract infection. And that's often something that family members aren't aware of and is uh, overlooked because it's something that's so far off the norm from what younger women have as signs of urinary tract infections that they think that it's from something else. So if you are a caregiver for an elderly person or an elderly person listening to this, if you start to have falls for no apparent reason, or if you notice that a person is becoming confused, they should have their urine checked. So other signs can be fever, although fever is less common in a simple urinary tract infection. That would be more seen if the infection is moving into the kidneys or uh, otherwise known as a kidney infection. 
but occasionally people will have a low-grade fever. If it's a high-grade fever, it can be much more urgent and a person should not wait. They should immediately seek uh, health care. Other signs and symptoms can be uh, painful intercourse, especially with the bladder being uh, irritated during intercourse. So now that we've talked about the signs of a urinary tract infection, let's talk about what to do once you have those signs and symptoms. It's, it's very important to contact your healthcare provider immediately. If you can't get a hold of your primary care provider, please do not start taking antibiotics that you have left over at home. Not only does it make it impossible to determine the type of infection that you have because bacteria will be masked by the antibiotic, but it also can cause bacterial resistance. It is one of the leading causes of bacterial resistance is taking a day or so of antibiotics and then not completing a full round of therapy. The bacteria can become resistant and that makes it much more difficult to treat an infection. So if a person thinks they have a urinary tract infection, they should go to the urgent care uh, to get a urine culture done as well as a urinalysis and to start treatment. Once the urinary culture has been done, you can get a prescription for antibiotics and that way the provider will know if those antibiotics are going to be sensitive to that bacteria and if need be the antibiotics can be changed. Otherwise it's chasing the bacteria and it can take several attempts to figure out what type of bacteria is causing the infection. So what causes urinary tract infections? That's often the first question that a woman will ask me after I diagnose her with a urinary tract infection. Well, how did I get it? Well, there's a number of ways that you can get a urinary tract infection. The most common way is sexual intercourse. So we used to always have this little term called honeymoon cystitis, where women would go on their honeymoon and they would come back and they would have a urinary tract infection due to increase in sexual intercourse. Well, it doesn't just have to be on a honeymoon, obviously. It can be any time. And it doesn't have to be with having intercourse frequently. You can get a urinary tract infection with having intercourse just one time. So it's important that you would empty your bladder prior to having intercourse and then immediately after. And we'll talk about prevention of urinary tract infections here in a minute. Other causes of urinary tract infection is holding the urine in the bladder for a prolonged period of time. And that's been a problem with women for uh, as long as women have probably been in existence because it's much more difficult for women to urinate than men. Men can kind of step off around a corner if they're outside doing sports or they're outside working and, and go to the bathroom. But women cannot do that. And so we see in a lot of women athletes increase in urinary tract infections because when they're playing sports they're holding the urine because there's no place to urinate or women who have jobs that are outside such as landscapers um, or in general if, if women are working in an office setting and they just don't have time to go to the bathroom they may hold for an extended period of time holding that urine in there gives the ability for any bacteria that's in the urine to kind of start to take hold and grow so, so going to the bathroom frequently is really important. And then also emptying the bladder completely. A lot of times women get in a hurry because they're so busy. So they'll go to the bathroom and they'll, they'll start to empty the bladder and then they'll stop not completely emptying the urine. And again, if there's bacteria, a little bit of bacteria in the urine, it will really start to grow. It also irritates the bladder wall by not fully emptying or by being over distended with urine. 
Other causes of urinary tract infections can be wiping from back to front because we know that we have bacteria in the stool that does not belong near the urethra as it can get into the bladder. We have a very short tube from our urethra into the bladder, so bacteria is introduced pretty easily into that area. So wiping from front to back is very important. I've also seen an increase in women with urinary tract infections who wear thong underwear. And I'm not, there's not a lot of data on that except for that thong underwear does come in contact with the anal sphincter. And if there is bacteria there, could potentially migrate into the urethra. But I do see more urinary tract infections with people who wear thong underwear than people who wear the cotton, uh, like bikini style or uh, regular type underwear. So that can be another cause. Uh, we also notice an increase in urinary tract infection in women who wear very tight clothing. And sometimes that very tight clothing can cause irritation to the urethra if the seam of that clothing is coming in contact and just causing pressure and rubbing to that area. So that's a, another um, kind of uh, cautionary statement to wear a little bit looser clothing. Other things that can cause urinary tract infection in women is uh, lack of estrogen because we know that estrogen helps keep the bladder wall supple. It helps keep the bladder wall strong and able to contract to get the urine out and completely empty the bladder. So women who are estrogen deficient will often have an increase in bladder infections, which is why we see it very commonly after women go through menopause. Other causes can be medications. Any medication that decreases the immune system can predispose uh, any bacteria that's in the bladder to grow more frequently. I personally was on a course of steroids, so prednisone, for approximately three months last summer and I was having some issues with recurrent urinary tract infections and yeast infections, which resolved probably took about three months after I was off of that steroid. So just be aware, it's not just steroids, but any an any um, medication that decreases or suppresses the immune system can give you an increased risk of urinary tract infections. Other causes of urinary tract infections can obviously be anatomical variations in how the urethra is aligned, uh, how long the urethra is, and obviously anatomical changes in the bladder. Other things that are very important that I really want to bring across is that if a woman is getting recurrent urinary tract infections and she has uh, had multiple rounds of antibiotics or even two courses of antibiotics, she needs to be evaluated by a urologist because there is always the potential for bladder cancer. And that is something that is not hard to diagnose but should not be overlooked. So uh, I've had several patients in my practice who transferred from different facilities and came in for bladder infections and I would get a culture. There would certainly be bacteria in the urine. We would treat the infection. A couple of months later, without any type of increase in risks for urinary tract infection, meaning no tight clothing, no thong underwear, not holding the urine, emptying the bladder completely, and drinking a lot of water, they would come back in 
with another bladder infection. My tolerance is very low for bladder infections as any provider should be. If they come in and they have a second bladder infection and they are postmenopausal, I will always order an ultrasound because you can have changes in the bladder wall that can be seen on ultrasound that can determine the need for further testing. And I also will refer to urology because sometimes they need to have that bladder scoped. I've had a couple of patients that have had um, recurrent urinary tract infections in other locations of the country, have had two with my office. We send them for a culture, we, we treat the infection, we send them for uh, ultrasound and they've come back with thickening of the wall or abnormal vascularity of the bladder wall and they've had bladder cancer. So bladder cancer can be very, very serious and have a poor prognosis and you want to catch it as soon as possible so that treatment can be begun because they have such good treatments available now that you can decrease your risk um, and, and your mortality rate by just a simple test to make sure that there's no cancer in that bladder wall. So those are the signs and symptoms as well as potential causes uh, and there are other obviously other causes of urinary tract infections. Those are just the most common that we see in women. Now how do we treat urinary tract infections? Well as I discussed earlier it's very important to have a urinary culture done. If you are seen with symptoms of a urinary tract infection and a urinalysis is not ordered, the patient should insist that a urinalysis and a urine culture is ordered. There is no way to know how to properly treat that infection if you are not having a culture done. We have so much bacterial resistance now that it is impossible to determine how to appropriately treat. There are a wide range of antibiotics that you can use to treat urinary tract infections. There are um, sulfa drugs, there are cephalosporins, sometimes some of the penicillins work depending. Uh, sometimes you need something stronger like a gentamicin drug that can't even be given uh, orally. A lot of times uh, macrobid will help and sometimes the fluoroquinolones will help as well. But again, there's a lot of resistance. So you really have to seek out what type of infection it is in the first place and is that bacteria sensitive to the antibiotic. So one thing that I've really noticed and I also wanted to give a little bit of education on because I think it's really important is that the public and patients are now looking at their urinary results. So they'll look up their urinalysis, they'll look up their urinary culture and it's difficult to understand. I mean it's pretty easy to understand when you see bacteria in your urine. Most people know that hey that can be a cause, there's bacteria there, that's what's going on. But if you see nitrites in the urine, that is a byproduct of the bacteria, of certain bacteria in the urine. White blood cells can also be, a, uh, also be an indicator of a urinary tract infection as well as red blood cells. A lot of times people will see squamous epithelium in large amounts and they'll be very concerned. Squamous epithelium in the urine is usually not a urinary tract infection. It's usually from a little bit of a contaminated urine, urine uh, specimen and it's super easy to contaminate that specimen when you're female because no matter how good you clean down there, that urine oftentimes is hitting the skin prior to going into the cup. And that's where we see squamous epithelium. And so one of the, the comments I'll get from patients is that they'll say, well, I have a large amount of squamous epithelium. 
and I'll tell them, well, that is not what's causing your problem. That's just usually from a catch, a, a urinary catch that is not completely clean. And the only way to get a clean catch in a woman, because it's very difficult, is to do a catheterization. And most of the time that's not normal. So when providers are looking at the urinalysis and they see that in there, that's not something that is of concern. Now, when you're looking at culture results, because I see patients who come in and they'll say, well, you put me on Macrobid that had a less than one, but Bactrim had more than 16. And so the higher number does not indicate higher sensitivity. It actually indicates a lower sensitivity, meaning that that bacteria is more resistant to that, maybe not resistant if it's sensitive, but it's taking more of that antibiotic to kill that bacteria than if you have a smaller number. So the smaller number is actually an indicator that the antibiotic will work better. And so I always want to get this across to patients because it's not like it was in the old days where patients just waited for their provider to let them know of the results. They're seeing the results in real time as soon as the provider gets them because a lot of time it's going to the patient portal. Now an intermediate result means that that bacteria may or may not be resistant. So that would not be a great antibiotic to use on somebody. And then obviously if the antibiotic on the sensitivity result comes back as resistant, that means the antibiotic is not going to work. So what happens if a patient is placed on, say, a medication like Cipro, which is very commonly used in a urinary tract infection, and the report comes back showing resistance? Well, that's okay. The provider can call the patient stop that antibiotic and change the antibiotic to something that is going to work, that's sensitive on the list. So that's what I always tell patients when I start them on an antibiotic. I tell them, I don't know if this antibiotic is going to work for you, but we're going to try it. And as soon as I get the culture results, I'll call you and we'll make a change if necessary. Now, the other thing to be aware of is that a culture routinely takes three days. So I know that it's hard to wait and patients want to know right away, but sometimes it's just not possible. So you just have to be a little bit patient, you can stay on your antibiotics, and then wait for the call or call your provider. I always tell people, hey, if you get your results prior than I do, call me because you never know about that black hole glitch in the internet where I don't get the results at the same time as the patient. So I want patients to be interactive with me. I want them to call. I want them to let me know, hey, I have something and I haven't heard from you yet. Because as soon as I get results, I'll call a patient. But there have been times where I have gotten a result after a patient has. The other thing that can also happen is that if you do go to urgent care and you get that urinalysis done and they do order a culture, that report is going to go back to the provider at urgent care. It may or may not come to the primary care provider's office. So it's very important that you are in touch with your primary care provider to say, hey, I went to urgent care, I have a urinary tract infection, they did a culture, and I wanted to let you know it's been three days, I haven't heard anything, so that way the office can call and get those results. My office can call and I can get results within a couple of hours from somebody who has had a test done at another facility. And so that's also important for patients to remember. You have to advocate for your health care and you have to be actively involved because sometimes the providers are just not getting the reports if they're ordered by somebody else. So let's talk about how to avoid 
urinary tract infections because there are things that you can do naturally to help avoid getting a urinary tract infection. And probably one of the easiest and hardest things to do is increase water intake. So it's really important not to be dehydrated. And women need, and men in general too, but this is a women's talk, need about 64 ounces of water a day. Well, do most women drink 64 ounces of water a day? No, because then we have to pee. And we don't want to pee because there's no place to pee and we don't have time to pee. So we tend to just drink a couple of glasses a day. And then if we do something silly, like I do on a regular basis, which is drink a liter of fluid at 6 o'clock at night, well, then I'm up all night going to the bathroom and who wants to do that? So if you can, take a bottle of water to work. And... I have a, a bottle of water that's 32 ounces, and I try to drink two of those throughout, throughout the day. And yes, I do have to go to the bathroom a little bit more frequently, but that's also flushing my system to help keep me from getting a bladder infection. So water is very important. Other things that you can do is a woman can take, or men, cranberry tablets or unsweetened cranberry juice. They've done some studies looking at different juices and response to the urinary tract for bladder infections. And cranberry juice has been the only juice that's been associated with actually pulling bacteria off of the bladder wall so that it can be urinated out. Now this doesn't mean sugar in, in the cranberry juice, so that cranberry juice is fairly bitter. And that also leads me to another point. An increase in sugar can increase your risk for bladder infections. And that's why a lot of times people who are diabetic will get recurrent bladder infections because the, blood, the sugar in their blood is trying to be filtered by the kidneys, but it's sometimes we see uh, sugar in the urine, and that gives a very high incidence of having a urinary tract infection. And so if a person is diabetic, keeping their blood sugar under control, keeping their A1C at 7 or less, will help decrease their chances of having a urinary tract infection. So maintaining an adequate blood sugar and a normal blood sugar is very important. Other ways that people can prevent bladder infections is by emptying the bladder completely when they urinate and urinating frequently. And then as far as sexual intercourse, again, empty your bladder prior to intercourse and then empty your bladder immediately after intercourse. And sometimes that's a little hard for patients to do because things happen in the moment. But if it's possible, it would be much better for your bladder. And then a lot of times people want to cuddle after they have intercourse. Well, just get up and go to the bathroom real quick and you can go back and, and have your cuddle time. But that'll definitely help prevent having uh, a bladder infection. And then when you are having intercourse, it's very important that the um, penis is not hitting the urethra and sliding down into the vagina. You want the penis to have a direct penetration into the vagina without doing a slide down the urethra because touching the urethra can put some bacteria into the bladder. Um, but women who are not having intercourse with men can also get urinary tract infections and that can be from using other devices. So make sure again that it's straight penetration and that there's no slide down. That's very important. Other things that can help women from getting uh, bladder infections is also uh, taking vitamin C. And then if you are on 
medications that can increase your risks for bladder infection, make, make sure you tell your provider if you have a history of recurrent urinary tract infections because that's very important that they know that so that it can be possible to maybe do some proactive therapies to help you from getting uh, bladder infection. The other thing is hormone replacement therapy. If your estrogen is low and you desire to have estrogen replacement and you are a candidate for estrogen replacement, that can significantly help reduce not only urinary tract infections, but urinary urgency and urinary uh, incontinence uh, and overall make the bladder and the urethra healthier. The other thing that can help, again, sometimes women will do physical therapy to try to strengthen the pelvic floors, muscles, and V-tone and form a V, which we've talked about in our other uh, women's health series. The V-tone is an electronic muscle stimulator that helps strengthen the bladder wall. It also helps strengthen the urethral wall so that you're not having leakage and that the bladder is contracting fully when it's emptying. And then the form of V increases blood supply, which also Incre that increase in vascularity helps with the overall health of the bladder wall muscle. So those are other things that you can do as well. Now as far as other uh, prevention modalities, there's not a lot else that you can do. People will will take other uh, forms of herbs and those are fine as long as there's no contraindication. We're not going to discuss those. I routinely don't discuss um, a lot of different herbal treatments that can have interactions with other medications. And the other thing that I think is very important for women is to make sure if you're changing healthcare providers or even if a person has been with a healthcare provider for a long period of time, if you're having recurrent urinary tract infections, please ask your provider to order an ultrasound. Do a referral to urology. It is always appropriate to have the blessing from the specialist that everything is fine with your bladder. It's very difficult to treat areas that you can't physically see and you can't physically see inside a woman's bladder. The only way you can look in there is to either do a scope or you can do further testing with ultrasound, if necessary CAT scan, if necessary MRI, but don't Hesitate to ask your provider for a referral. This is really important because bladder cancer is very serious and it's something that a lot of times can be prevented if you just have cellular changes. There's treatment options. If you're if you if a person does have bladder cancer and it's fairly early staged, it can be treated much more easily than something that has been not worked up. So so please don't hesitate to call your providers if you're having recurrent infections and you haven't had a thorough workup to have that workup done it's definitely worth it and it's minimally invasive and it gives reassurance to both the patient and the provider also if you do believe you have a urinary tract infection prior to taking anything like peridium or any of the anti-bladder spasm medications please get a urinalysis first and a urine culture as those medications can alter a urinalysis result and make culture results more difficult to obtain. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. And I want to thank uh, especially our uh, listener in India, listeners in California and in Pennsylvania. A special shout out to Kathy B. 
and Brad F and to of course Jim and Angelina as well as um, Serena and Matt we appreciate you listening and I appreciate everybody listening and taking the time to get some information that can hopefully benefit your health care I wish everybody health and happiness and continued ability to make your own choices when it comes to your health care and every aspect of your life. And have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you.